Now, it is a new day at Rock House, and I am blessed and thankful that the Lord would consider me worthy for the calling of this. I pray for... I pray for all of my folks here, but I pray for those who don't know Jesus just as hard as I do for my folks, right? Because that's the bottom line, is we got to help save people. As Paul would say, I'll, I'll be, um, and this is uh, not quoted verbatim, but I'll be all things, all people, that, so that some might be saved, amen? That's what we got to do without twisting the Scripture. I'm not saying that. But this morning... Um, <laughs> I want to talk to you a little bit about the title of our sermon. It's called To Be My Disciple, not Brian Hubbard's Disciple. It, to Be a Disciple for Jesus. Now, if you have your Bibles or your tablets or whatever, we're going to start out in Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 27. Uh, it is a bit of a large portion of Scripture, but we'll work through it as best that we can, Okay. Now, I don't know about you, but I hope you leave here challenged. I don't want to say that my first sermon as your official pastor at Rock House is to beat you up because it is not. But it's also to be truthful about the Word of God. And that's where we're at this morning. It's beat me up pretty good this week, but it's also been a reminder to me about the commitment that it takes to follow Jesus Christ. I've heard too many say, when I prayed a prayer of salvation and baptized, I thought it was going to be a bed of roses. And when it wouldn't, I turned around and ran back to what I knew before. How many people knows people like that or have been there, right? Okay, it's hard to completely surrender. But that's what God, through His Son, wants us to do, okay? So the few highlights this morning, they're not our points, but we're going to talk about them before we get started. The most important question in scripture will be asked by our lord and savior jesus christ to his followers this morning you'll see that in our scripture the second thing is we're going to have a my 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 father-in-law is going to like this a dtr moment <laughs> guys if you've ever asked uh, a guy for his daughter in marriage and i got two of them i hope that maybe never comes but <laughs> dtr define the relationship Jesus wants you to know what relationship are we going to have. Now, you're going to come to me asking me to take away your sins, and I will like that. That's what Scripture says. But then we have to define the relationship. You are now a disciple and a follower of me, okay? Third thing we're going to talk about is the world has a lot to offer, a lot of bad stuff. And what God's promises are, are way better than what the world has to offer. And you're going to see that in our Scripture today, okay? So I want to ask you this morning, are you a fan of Jesus? It's come from my favorite book. Or a follower of Jesus? And there's two totally different things, okay? We'll talk about it in just a minute. But let us open it up in prayer, and then we'll get into our Scripture. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning that you would allow us to be here Father, that you would allow us to hear your word, that you would speak to our soul. God, remove me, remove self from everybody in here, and let our eyes be pointed up unto the cross. For if we cling to the cross, it is our main attraction. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Men, verse 18 says, And it happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he questioned them, saying, 
Who do the people say that I am? They answered and said, John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. But others, that one of the prophets of old has been risen again. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter in his bold face, Simon Peter, answered and said, You're the Christ of God. But he warned them and instructed them not to tell anyone. Say, and we'll get into that. Saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day. And he said, saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he or she is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him and he, when he comes in his glory. Because it's coming, folks. Don't think it's not coming. It's coming. And the glory of the Father... And of the holy angels. But I say to you truthfully, there are some of those standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. We'll go into a little bit on all those verses, but we'll spend a little time in what it means to pick up your cross. That's our message this morning. So I want to ask you our first point this morning. Me and Brother Greg Collett talked about this. This was a life-changing moment for me when I read this scripture. <laughs> who do you say that Jesus is. Because if you go to the crowds, I had a video I wanted to show this morning, but it had a bad word in it, and it did bleep it out. Um, but I thought, you know what, I want to honor God the best way I can. So I'm going to give you what the people on the streets of New York City said when they were interviewed and said, who is Jesus Christ to you? Some of them said he's a, uh, a hippie wearing a robe. Some of them said he's a guy that will forgive your sins, but he'll let you live however you please. Lord, forgive me. He said some of them said he's just this old guy that uh, allows anything. I've seen a picture of him smoking dope. That's what this guy said on the street. Folks, if you ask the crowd who Jesus is, that's what you're going to get. But I want you to look that when Jesus asked this question, he asked it to a very specific group of people. He didn't ask the crowds specifically. He asked his disciples who do they say I am? And we know that they were 0 for 3. He wasn't John the Baptist. He wasn't Elijah. Now, Scripture can be debated, and we can go into that all day long. But he wasn't just some old prophet raised from the dead either. And what was funny is these men are saying this to him, and they knew that at the time John the Baptist was still alive, and he was actually serving in another part of the world, actually southern than what they were further south. But they also knew Scripture in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 says, Behold, I'm sending you. This is the last book of the Old Testament. Behold, I'm sending you, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. But as you read on this week, you'll see that the transfiguration take place. And a lot of people think that that's what Jesus meant when he said, Some of you standing here won't taste death until you see the kingdom of God. And that can, be, again, be debated. Uh, that's for another time and another place. 
But the main thing is, is when he asked the disciples, Jesus, as bold as he was, as radical as, as, as Peter was, I'm sorry, took the bold leap of faith and said, you are the Christ of God. This same scripture is in Matthew 16. And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You know what Messiah means? The anointed one. He was anointed. Now, in the Old Testament, the prophets would be anointed by someone and sent out. But Peter knew there was something different about this Jesus. He wasn't just anointed by men. <laughs> he was anointed by the Father. And so Simon Peter knew it. So I ask you this morning, as we go into our next point, who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say? Because our next point is something you can't dodge if you say that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living, the living God, the Christ of God. The second point this morning is the cost of commitment. Now, this is where people typically get a little antsy. I'm not going to lie. You mean it's going to cost me something? Well, it may cost you everything. Not my words, but His. And as a Christian, we know that the first step is to hit our knees and ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins. A prayer of repentance. But once we do that and our heart is changed, here comes that DTR moment. The define the relationship moment. And again, and when you go from being, when you're courting somebody to being married and joined into one, we got to really figure out where this is going to go, don't we? Amen, Stacy. Amen. Stacy Hubbard. Amen. No, Stacey. I was looking over here. She's probably had to DTR me upside the head a few times. Okay? <laughs> but when we define our relationship with Jesus, we have to know that we become a slave for Christ. We're going to get into that a little more. But just before we get back into verse 23, God, Jesus tells them, you know, keep this to yourself. Keep this to yourself. Because the Son of Man has to suffer. And he knew that he had to kind of keep that quiet for God's will to be fulfilled in the way that it would be. But let's take a closer look into the good stuff. Verse 23 and 26. And I'm going to read this scripture again to you. And he said, saying to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is it a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? How many people have been in that position? <laughs> Chased all the wrong stuff. It's me. Verse 26, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Folks, verse 23 is not a verse you're going to see on T-shirts. <laughs> Pick up your cross. It's fun. Come to VBS. It's great. It's not what that verse says. You know, I, I love our T-shirts and our verses. I think, you know, you can wear a T-shirt and it can speak volumes and you don't ever say anything. But verse 23 is not one that you see a lot. You may see you're the light of the world or here I am, uh, send me, you know, all the good stuff. But the truth is, the daily battle that you have to fight with yourself in denying yourself. That's what Jesus says. And I'm afraid some of our churches and some of us Christians, I'm not saying go out here and tell them it's going to be 
oh, boy, it's going to be tough, you know, and I wouldn't come unless you're ready, you know. No, he equips who he calls, right? That's what he does. But here's the thing. What we win people with is what we win them to. We have to win them with the truth. So when the hard times come, they don't turn and run. But just like the song says, he'll be the wind inside of our sails, the anchor in the waves. This, way, this week has been pretty wavy. <laughs> it has. I'm going to apologize to every single one of you because I took you for granted. Being the associate was cake. I got to come in here and do announcements, and everybody loved me. <laughs> iPhone said my screen time was up like two hours this week. Well, I wonder why. Wasn't on YouTube, I can tell you that. Praise the Lord, though. Praise God. You know, He molds you. As, as we say, Pastor Tyler, he may have been called at first. I don't know if I was ever called, but God molded me. He made me what he needed me to be for him. Here's the thing about Jesus in verse 23. I wish he would have just said, come and die. <laughs> because that's what it means. Come and die to yourself. Not come and die as at the end of your life and you're taking breath for the last time. That's not, the, that's not what I'm talking about. Come and die to yourself and follow me. Now, here's the thing. There's no negotiation clause when you make that choice. You can't say, well, I'm going to do this, and when it's convenient, I'm going to do this. and you know, They don't work that way, okay? This isn't like school. This is like the old school days when you had no choice. You're going to do what you're told, and that's it. You know, not nah, we're going to work this thing out. But here's the thing. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of when people have these New Year resolutions, y'all I'm talking about, and I'm going to uh, get a new workout regime, or I'm going to diet. I mean, no, don't raise your hand, okay? Uh, but when the going gets tough, usually what happens? That commitment is gone. It's broken. Folks, we can't be like that for Jesus. That's not the way it is. Quick story. There was a lady, I had read this article, and I didn't see the news clip. Her name was Christy Pugh. We don't know her. I don't think we do. It said she was from New York. So if you know her, I apologize. Gary's the only one north of the Mason-Dixon that I know. Uh, so she says um, they were doing this survey for vegetarians. And I thought this was so neat. And she said, I'm a vegetarian. And the guy that was re uh, recording her, reporting her, whatever you want to call it, said, uh, well, me too. He said, uh, so what's your favorite food? Like, like I thought, you know, what do you mean? You're a vegetarian. Vegetables, right? She said, well, I like this, but occasionally I like to sprinkle a little sausage on my salad. He said, wait a minute. You told me you was a vegetarian. She said, well, there's a new term called flexitarian. He says, uh, no, there's not. Folks, you're either all in or you're all out. There's no flex of Christian in Okay? <laughs> when I read that, instantly, you all know this scripture, but instantly the rich young ruler come up. You all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. This old boy comes up, and he's probably bought everything he's ever had or been given, you know, and uh, from an inheritance. I don't know the story behind it. 
But he comes to Jesus and he says, you know, what must I do, hear that word, to inherit eternal life? Do. Meaning, you earn it. <laughs> oh, boy. What Jesus said to him, I don't think he was ready for. But Jesus says, you know, you know the commandments, right? Thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not. He says, oh, yeah, I'm good. Good with that. He says, well, go sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. The Bible says he went away grieving or sad because he had many possessions. You see, when it comes to that DTR moment, he wanted saved. But when it comes to that moment where he had to define the relationship, I don't know. I don't know if that's what I want to do. I don't know if I want to be that fully committed. That's what Jesus is telling us this morning. If we're going to follow him, we must suffer. Sacrifice is coming. It's kind of like that marriage, men. <laughs> you have to sacrifice a little bit, you know. My schedule has changed since i become a father. A lot. I thought it had changed when I got married about six years ago, but then when two more women entered the house, oh, Lord, it really changed. Praise the Lord. Amen. I love you. Couldn't, was it can't live with you and can't live without you or something like that, they say, I don't know. I know one thing, Stacy is my rock. Thank you, Stacy, so much this morning. Thank you for that. But here's the thing. The Bible says you cannot serve what? Two masters. You're either going to love one and hate the other. And that's it. A guy by the name of Jim Elliott, I don't know if you've heard, heard of him. Jim is no longer with us that we know of. He's the most uh, written about missionary that you can probably research. Jim Elliott says this, and I thought about this when I read about the rich young ruler this week. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Folks, when you give your life to the Lord and you decide to follow him, your life is not yours no more. It belongs to Jesus Christ. So therefore, when you lose that for him, you have eternity in heaven. That's the promise of God. And you have life abundantly right here. You know what the issue is? Our lens is focused on the wrong thing. Amen? Man, when you pray and look up into the hills for your strength, when you're a broken man, that's when you'll find out true love. Man. Now, so if we're going to call ourselves Christians, we can't make any exceptions. Let's go to Revelations chapter 3, verse 16. And I'm going to give us a little background on this, but here's what Scripture says. He says, John wrote this, and Jesus speaking it. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Here's what the background behind that is. God was displeased with the people of Laodicea, practicing a week. Laodicea. They had become complacent. They become full of themselves. They felt like they had it all, and they didn't need to go out and tell anybody else about Jesus. And there's a whole bunch more to that story. But God knew that when speaking to them, because sometimes you got to get on people's level. You know, I know that academia. I'm probably not where I need to be, but I know the love in my heart is is Jesus. And this is what God is, was saying. He used their own water system in the Roman aqueduct because they were really, really advanced at this time. 
But you see, what they, where they messed up was they had one uh, cold water pipe or aqueduct, however you say that, and another hot one. And the problem was they ran them together before the water got to the people. So when the water got to the people to drink and they would scoop it up and drink it, guess what? It was lukewarm. So the people would actually spit the water out. This is not drinkable. Now, if he's the living water, you compare those two, that's what we need. We, he's asking us not to be lukewarm. So this morning, when we follow Jesus, we have to die to ourselves and become a slave. We have a new master. Tell you a story about a man named Bill Bright who counted himself as a slave for Jesus. Bill Bright was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. He wrote a track called The Four Spiritual Laws, some of you may have heard that, that presented the gospel. More than 2.5 billion copies have been distributed worldwide. He was central to the Jesus film, which was seen by more than 4 billion people in 660 languages around the world. But if you were to go to Bill Bright's gravesite today, it may be a little hard to find his headstone without some direction. Mainly because on his headstone, you'll read these three words. Slave for Jesus. He wanted to be known by what he'd done for the Lord, not by his own name. Another story I'd read about was these group of missionaries. And I almost think Ezra told me about this a long time ago, but Ezra, my eyes wasn't open, I don't guess. But there was a group of missionaries... They had went to South America in Suriname, which is an island off of South America. And they wanted to reach the inhabitants with the gospel. It was told to them that there was no light. It was all darkness. So they felt on their heart after they had prayed that we've got to get there somehow. The problem was most of these uh, islanders that were living there were slaves on a large plantation. And they were run by a slave owner. And the slave owner would only let slaves talk to other slaves. They had no outside communication at all, except to him, I guess. So the missionaries thought, how are we going to reach them? How can we get the gospel to those people? <laughs> so here's what they did. <laughs> they sold themselves into slavery, working in the bondage and the harsh conditions in the tropical climate. But it was said that they had reached many with the gospel. When I woke up this morning in my warm bed and I got in a hot shower and I was asking the Lord, give me the words and open up the hearts to people. And I thought, there's people in Africa, in South America, selling themselves into slavery. Who am I? But he still hears my cries because he knows everybody needs a shepherd. And he is the shepherd. But just think about that for a minute. And what's crazy is <laughs> they just realized what they were. They were slaves for Jesus. They weren't living for themselves. They were slaves for Jesus. And as you read through the New Testament, and that's what we're doing in 2020, as we read through the New Testament, you're going to see when Apostle Paul opens up a book, or Peter, or James, they could have said many things, you know. Hey, I'm James, the brother of the Messiah. How about that? That's a pretty good resume, huh? 
Or how about Peter? You know, I thought I was so close to Jesus that I didn't want hung on the cross like he is. I said I'm not worthy. But here's how they open up their books. <laughs> Peter, a slave for Christ. James, not a brother to Christ, a slave for Christ. Apostle Paul, a slave for Christ Jesus. I thank him for considering me worthy. As you read through our New Testament, you're going to see some of that. And here's how Paul explained it. And I hope this sets on our hearts this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20, Paul talks about our body belonging to the Lord. He says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought, amen, with a price. <laughs> Therefore glorify God in your body. You see, folks, we were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's our duty to deny ourselves and take up our cross. It's going to be tough. I, I have seen God work this week in ways that I'm almost, I've quit being amazed, you know. But you're still human, right? You say, God, can you, can you do that? Will you do that? Oh, my Lord, He will do that for you. He will do that through the people sitting in your church. You don't know the people praying for you. God is still a miracle worker, and He does it every day. And don't think one miracle is smaller than the other. It's not. If it concerns us, guess who else does it concern? God, we are His children. You think about that. Folks, he tells us, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. He never said, you know, that I wouldn't love you if not. But he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. No greater love than this, that someone would die on the cross for you. Point number three, the cost is high, but so is the reward. That sounds like an old football quote I used to get. I coach it. Hey, buddy, it's, it's a high cost, but the reward when you're holding that trophy is going to be worth it. Folks, that's us. It's a high cost to be a follower of Jesus. But at the end, when we get the trophy and get to walk through the gates, it's so worth it. When I see people come to God, it has a different effect on me now than when it did two years ago. I thought, oh, happy-go-lucky, good. Send them on their way tell them to tell people about Jesus. <laughs> And I missed an opportunity to minister to somebody. Folks, everybody in here is a minister. I'm going to say this. Whether you're putting handcuffs on them, it saves somebody's life, I know. Whether you're a school teacher, nurse, a granny, it don't matter. You are a minister for Christ. Amen? So I want to end this thing on a positive note. We're going to wrap this up in the next two or three minutes. I want to ask you, do you know God this morning? Do you know Him as your Lord and Savior? If you do, praise the Lord. Are you telling somebody about the God that you know? You ever heard that song? The God I know. Are you telling somebody about that person? Let me tell you a little bit about the God I know, the master I serve, whom I'm a slave to. 
Because when you give your heart to God, He invites you to be a slave. And your master will do these things. And these are just a few that I read this week in Scripture. Your master will provide for you. He will answer when you call on Him. He is your rock. He is your refuge. He is your foundation. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He will take care of your needs. He will protect you. He's the same God who the wind and waves obey. He gives you rest. He is the same God that has the power, amen, to forgive you of your sin. Amen. Amen. So I want to speak to those who may not know Jesus Christ this morning as their Lord and Savior for just a moment. Because I've probably beat up the Christian enough this morning. It's God's words, not mine. If being a slave to your sin and to yourself has left you broken, bruised, tired and weary, because it'll do that. My master can take those pieces and put them back together like you've never known before. I've seen relationships this week mended that I never thought I personally would ever see. But it, the Lord, through prayer, has mended those for me. He will make your life something that you can never imagine. And here's one more thing. We're going to close with this. When you become a slave to my master, he calls you his son. He calls you his daughter. He calls you his friend. I know I'm not worthy of that, but he loves me enough that whosoever would call upon his name this morning, you'll spend eternity with him. Eternity is much too long to get it wrong. Hear that? You're going to live 80-some, 90-some, 100 years. But better is one day in your courts than what? A thousand elsewhere. My God also tells me that he'll never leave you or forsake you. And what the master has done for me and my family, because, <laughs> oh boy, he's moved mountains. He's broke chains. <laughs> He's gave people new addictions, addicted to Christ. He can do that for you this morning. If you would, enable, let's stand and pray. Lord, Lord, we call on your name this morning. Father, I know you hear our cries. <laughs> Father, there's Scripture that just opens eyes, Lord, and opens hearts. And Father, I pray that the words are in the mouths of these people that will reach somebody who's lost. As we open up this altar, or we open up a moment, Father, that you could tug somebody close. The Bible tells us the Father has to draw them near. Well, Father, we're calling on you to draw those who are hurting, to draw those who don't know you, Father. Lord, to draw those who are seeking <laughs> salvation. Lord, we want to turn it all over to you and nothing else but just to sit at your feet. Lord, we love you and we praise you. 
Father, as the music plays here in a minute, I pray there's a moment in the hearts of the people that we say, you know what, I'm going to refresh this commitment to you, God. Or Lord God, I'm just going to be committed to you all the way. You know what? I'm tired of uncertainty. When I pray, I don't know that it's coming. But God, here's my new mindset. I'm a follower. And I know what your word says. And I'm not going to waver. Because your promises are true. Your ways and your thoughts are higher than ours. Lord, we're going to trust in you for all of our worries. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray.